It's great to be with you this morning. We're in our uh, second of our three series on Stronger Together. And uh, so I, we're going to turn and take a look at this, this word this morning. I love to study business and, and, uh, and leadership principles, more leadership principles than business, but uh, w- there's a lot of buzzwords that go on in, uh, in that kind of study. One of the words I really do like, though, and that's the word synergy. Synergy. And, and what is that? So synergy is the creation of a whole that is greater than the simple sum of its parts, right? That somehow you mix things together and it makes it something greater. The impact is, is much greater together than the single sum of its parts. It's, it's, the idea is what you throw eggs and milk and sugar and flour and you throw it all together, mix it up, add heat, and you get a cake, right? Something greater that comes out of that is that synergy, right? The opposite of that might be the old saying, the old farmer saying, when you, when you hire a boy, you get a boy. When you hire two boys, what do you get? A boy, a half a boy, right? If you hire three boys, what do you got? No boy at all, right? Uh, that's kind of the opposite term of synergy. Synergy means, comes from a Greek word meaning working together, And the Bible makes this statement in uh, Ecclesiastes 4.12, the one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. That's synergy coming together. And so as we continue this series on, on Stronger Together, here's the one thing I want you to know today. If I care about my spiritual growth, I will seek out and participate in Christ-centered relationships. Because the conviction is this, that spiritual growth happens in the context of relationships. Simply said, my faith is made stronger in community. Do you believe that this morning? I want, that, that's the key thing I want you to go home with today. My faith is made stronger in community. Why don't you say that with me? My faith is made stronger in community. All right. So how does our faith get stronger together? How can I get this synergy in my spiritual life? Well, we're going to take a look at a passage in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 19 through 25. And it's been called the lettuce patch simply because there's there's these admonitions, let us do, and we're going to look at several different things today. But uh, this is an ongoing challenge in our day today. That how do you get a church of our size to become more than just a crowd? When does a crowd become a church? Because we all know that we can come and sit together in rows, but that doesn't necessarily make us the church, right? And so in Hebrews, we have this passage, this admonition, and and let's take a look at that because there's a few things I want to say about this book of Hebrews. It's a unique book in the New Testament. It starts out not as a letter, but it ends as a letter. uh, It's full of, of these imageries about uh, uh, religious culture and the tabernacle, the temple, and, and, and religious practice of the, of the Jewish people that are image and reflection of Jesus and what he has done. 
And, uh, and it's interesting that we don't really know who the author is. It's, there's been a lot of discussion who that might be, Luke, Apollo, Apollos, uh, Barnabas, Paul, yet the Lord has seen, seen fit to keep it unknown. What I do find interesting about, about Hebrews is the audience, this is definitely written to a small, they, they consider it a small band of Christian believers, probably either sent from Italy or to Italy, uh, to, to this group, and we might dare, dare call them a life group, a small group, because they weren't a large enough church to be identified as the church of Corinth or the church of this. or church. So they, they determined that scholars have that most likely it was, it was a very small band of believers. Persecution was on the rise. Survival became a focus, and the temptation was to go into hiding and distance themselves from from each other to, to miss out on that persecution. Now, I won't be explaining every detail of, uh, of this imagery, so understand this. That in their lives, before Jesus, it was, religious life was, was very, there was a, an elitism about it. It was very ceremonial. It was very structured. And it was a very closed system. But these folks had come to know Jesus and the writer is encouraging them that now they are a new community, a community open, a community filled with grace, a community that, that was focused on relationships, a community that was, that was receiving truth. And, uh, and that's who we are here at Horizon. That's who we're, we're looking to be. On a spiritual journey, you and I moving out of dry, dead, rule-based, effort-driven existence into a life freely given, filled with forgiveness, focused on relationships, and flowing from grace. In other words, at Horizon, we're about encouraging one another to follow Jesus with our whole hearts. That's who we are. I think it fits very closely with what the writer of Hebrews is saying to these folks. So let's dive into this, this passage in Hebrews chapter 10. Let's discover together how, how does our faith get stronger together? First, I would propose that our faith gets stronger when we recognize our shared faith in Jesus Christ, that our faith together is unified when we recognize what truly unifies us. It says this, and so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and living, life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. I love this language of brother and sister. I grew up in a very traditional Pentecostal church that we use that term brother and sister all the time. It was, that was the natural greeting. Makes me think of buns and beards, right? You know, old, old give me that old time religion. Now, not on the same person, the buns and beards. Uh, but uh, we, uh, and, and in Mexico, when I, when I served there as a missionary in Mexico, that, everybody was hermano, brother and sister, right? Hey, brother, hey, sister, you know. And honestly, really, a lot of times it was just a crutch. 
Because when you, when you go by brother and sister, you don't have to learn anybody's name. Hey, brother. Yeah. Hey, brother. Right? It just, it, we do that still today. We've, though we've dropped the brother and sister stuff, we hey, that means I see you, but I don't know your name. Yeah, right? Uh, we, are, we are the family of God. He uses those, this term, brother and sister, because he wants them to understand. And this is a powerful, radical change. In their think, before their father was Abraham, now their father is God. And it's what unites them, what brings them together. And it changes their thinking that uh, before that, that, that entering into the most holy place was only for the high priest. There was only one person that could go into the Holy of Holies. And now, and don't miss the, implica- the, the important statement here, because of the blood of Jesus, because of Jesus' sacrifice, he's torn that veil. And what used to be an elite practice now becomes available to all of us. We come into the holy place because of the blood of Jesus Christ. That's why the Bible tells us Jesus said, answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. When we talk about coming together and being strong together, we, we must recognize that it's because of the cross It's because of what Jesus did on the cross. That shared faith is what unites us. It's level playing ground when we come to the foot of the cross. Whether I'm a pauper or a prince, white collar or blue collar, young or old, married or single, murderer or mama, raised Baptist, Catholic or Buddhist, When we come to Jesus, we all must come. We all must come with open hands and a repentant heart. So next week, we start life groups. Next Sunday night will be the launch for uh, for the groups. And we encourage you to, to, to sign up to be part of that. But when you walk into that room, know this. Yeah, it's an awkward social moment. You don't know anybody. You might not have any real connections. And they, maybe they don't look just like you. Right? They're not this, But this is, this is so much more than, than about social gathering. Because you can look into each person's eyes and know that it's because of the cross, because of Jesus, that we have more in common than we do differences. You hear me? It's because of him that we can, as, as Ephesians says, for it is by grace you have been saved. Through faith that it's not of yourselves, it is a gift of God. The one thing that binds you and I together is Jesus. And that's the why of community. Our faith in Jesus and salvation in him alone is what gives us strength to look each other in the eye and say we are stronger together. Secondly, our faith is stronger when, it get, when we get, go into his presence together. 
Hebrews 10, 21 and 22, and since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience have been sprinkled with the blood of Christ, with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. He also wrote in, in Hebrews 4.16, so let us come boldly to the throne of, of our gracious God that we will receive mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. The invitation is corporate, that we can go together. And that's what we've done here today. In worship, we've been called to draw near together in worship to know him. 36 times in the Bible speaks of the, that invitation or the idea of drawing near to God. What do we do in life groups? What do we do in our small group ministries? We, three things that are critically important, that we draw near in connection to one another, that we draw near to God in truth and draw near to him in prayer. Those are the three things that basically go on in our life groups in different kinds of, uh, may different have a different look or feel, but essentially those are, the, those are the things that we focus on. And you know what's the great thing about drawing near and truth together? Is that when we study the word of God in, in a corporate small setting and get to hear people's perspectives, what you, what you find is that there is a richness that you cannot get just on your own. I never was more aware of this when, is when I was doing Bible studies with international students. I would get together with students from China or J- and Japan and, and Africa and different, different nations of the world. And we would sit down and, and get to read the Bible together. Some of them had never held a Bible in their hands. And, and as we read, they would begin to make observations about Scripture. And you know what? I learned something. I learned something from a Chinese engineer uh, uh, and, and their perspective because they bring a different cultural perspective and it, it shines light. It, the word of God is like a diamond that way, that the different facets as we see it from different angles reveals truth in a wonderful way. Guess what? You don't get that on your own. It only happens when we come together, when we draw near to God in truth. So maybe it's time, maybe it's time to, to consider, just consider that uh, of getting out of, out of your row and maybe getting into a circle, right? Number three, our faith gets stronger when we hope together, when we hope together. Verse 23, let us hold tightly without wavering to the hope we affirm, for God can be trusted to keep his promises. I love that statement. God can be trusted. So here's a question for you. Do you have, do you have a firm grip on hope? Because the, the admonishment, the encouragement is to take a firm grip on, on the hope that we, that we affirm. It's not talked about near as much as it should and that we have a hope that goes way beyond this life. It really does. You see, hope is a New Testament concept that specifically speaks to what happens after death. That's that's the 
biblical New Testament hope is, is, is the hope that's focused on what happens after this life. That is the Christian hope. A hope of life eternal and a hope of reward when it's all over. And if you've ever faced, had to face the death of a loved one, you know how important that hope is, don't you? As we hold on to that. What I find interesting is that suffering and pain causes us to lean into hope in God's promises. When we come together, we can lean into that, those truths of what God has promised and hope together. The keys here, though, and the challenge is that I need to know what God's promises are, right? It's hard to take hold of something I don't fully know yet. And two, that I need to be reminded that God can be trusted to keep those promises. Anybody here ever lose your keys? Right? Every man in the room should be raising their hands right now. I, I know you. All right. All right. We, we lose, thank you, brother. <laughs> we lose focus sometimes, don't we? And we don't mean to forget, but we do. I forget. And I need to be reminded. I need to be told again and again what God has promised. That's something that we do together that builds us up. That looking at the truth of the Bible and community reminds us of our hope that this world is not our home. That this is not all there is. And yes, be reminded, God can be trusted. When you're hurting, it's helpful to have someone remind you of the hope. You can trust God. Corey Tinboom said this, never be afraid to trust an unknown future to a known God. So find people in your life that remind you of God's promises. That's the importance of Christ-centered relationships is that we get among people that remind us of God's promises. And I want to challenge you today to be a person who reminds others, to be a hope reminderer. Is that a word? <laughs> be that person that reminds others of the hope that is in us. Also, our faith gets stronger when we motivate each other to serve in love. Verse 24, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Now remember, this is a community that has been considering returning to Levitical systems of Judaism. They're, they're thinking of reverting back in one sense because they can avoid persecution by doing it. And it's always easy, isn't it? It's always easier, it seems, to take the old roads, 
the old paths than it is to change, than it is to discover something new and put yourself into that new role. Going back may be the easy solution, but growing forward is the best solution. The word that's used in this scripture is think of ways. And, uh, and it's the same verb that's used in Hebrews 3 verse 1 when it tells us to, to consider or think of Jesus and what he's done. So in, earlier the, the writer of, of Hebrews is encouraging to, to think hard, right? To put your mind to it, to, to put some, some mental muscle into it to think about Jesus, consider him, right? Well, here now he, he's saying, consider other people. Let's consider together how we can motivate each other to love and good service. It's to, to put some of that mental muscle into action and, and not, not just be passive about it. You know, the, the real sin is oftentimes for, for me is not that I think badly of others, but that I don't think about others at all. And what I need to do is to consider what I can do. Now that doesn't happen in a row. That doesn't happen as we, uh, as we just, just sit here that happens in community. That happens when we really get to know one another. The word provoke is another interesting word in this passage. And it really, it's, there's only two places in the New Testament that this concept of provoke or, or mo- encourage, right, or motivate is how the NIV uses it. There's really only two passages in the New Testament that are positive. Most of the time, this idea of provoking is kind of like, provoking God to wrath or you know, in the Old Testament or the different things. Well, here and, and in 2 Corinthians, Paul uses this idea of provoking others as their, the co- church of Corinth, their behavior was, was motivating other people to get involved in giving, right? So that they heard about what they had done and how they had been saving up for the, even to a year prior to give. And, and Paul says that it's provoking other people to do the same. It's nice to have a model, isn't it? It's nice to have somebody kind of showing the way and, and doing. I, I can remember when I got, uh, I was about in my mid-40s and I went, lived back to uh, Dallas, Oregon. It was my hometown. And uh, we were living there, and I joined a gym. And I walked into this gym one morning. I'm going to get on the treadmill, right? And, uh, and as I walk in, too late, I spot as I'm getting on the equipment. I, you know, if I had seen her before, I wouldn't have got on the treadmill. But already in the room is a girl that I, a woman that I knew from high school. She graduated with me. And, uh, and I'm thinking, oh, man. She's already running. She's running. And I'm going, okay, Gibson, it's time to do it. You know, I get on there and I think, I'm not stopping until she's done. <laughs> because like Pastor Stan said, right? She's a girl, right? <laughs> and so that competitive thing, you know, I was provoked. I was provoked. So I start running. 10 minutes, 
20 minutes, my tongue is hanging out, right? I'm dying. I, I was out of shape when I did 30 minutes, and I got it. Unfortunately, I got to tell you, I died. <laughs> I gave up. Now, unbeknownst to her, she had no idea that she had provoked me. And guess what? You know, I lost. But I didn't lose because I got 30 minutes on the treadmill. <laughs> right? When we, sometimes we, when we model that, and sometimes we just need somebody to go first. Right? To take that step of forward that encourage, encourages others to do the same. So today, are you a provoker in a good way? And, and if you notice, it matters what relationships you have, doesn't it? Because relationships provoke you towards behavior. You ever heard somebody say, man, that person brings out the worst in you? Right? That's because, that's because in relationship, relationship is the context for spiritual growth. That, that good things can come out of those kind of relationships that we have. So, sometimes we just need to, need to provoke others. That, that's, that's how Paul uses it in, Cor in the Corinthian letter. But here that the word is, it literally means to call out. And this is a, the, a, just a different kind of use of, of that word provoking. It, provoking is calling out of someone or stirring up uh, that, uh, that, that he's encouraging us to do. Each of us have had some bad stuff within us, but the Bible urges us to call out the good our best desires, hopes, and dreams, and behaviors, to call them out of each other. And if that isn't what being part of life groups should be about, then, then we're not hitting the ball. Because when we get together, it needs to be life-giving, calling out, provoking one another to love and good works, Right? And that's why in life groups, we, we encourage our life groups to partner together to, to do works of service and to, and to motivate each other to acts of service and good works. And today, before you leave, I want to encourage you to, to motivate uh, the people who are serving in this building among you today to just recognize them and call it out of them. Recognizing and, and, and motivate them. How do you motivate people, by the way? Here's some motivational maneuvers that, uh, that you can do. And you, you can practice even this morning before you leave. Catch them doing good. You can motivate your kids. You can motivate workers. You can motivate those around you by recognizing it, seeing the good that's going on at the moment and calling it out of them, right? That motivates people. So today, the, the coffee people or the greeters or the children's workers, just a word of encouragement will motivate them to continue on. In our, in our groups working together, there's, some, there's, a, there's a synergy that happens when by faith we begin to serve together. I'll never forget our life group that served a Thanksgiving meal together. It was our very first week, our very first project as a, as a life group. We didn't know each other really well. We'd, it had been maybe four or five weeks into it. 
But we got, to, we got to serve some folks a Thanksgiving meal that might not otherwise ever had experienced the holiday. And in working together, something radically changed in the relationship of our group together. You see, it's like that band of brothers. When you serve together, there's a bond that happens that you, you, don't, you would not otherwise know. And so he says, consider how you can provoke one another toward love and good deeds. Let's be stronger together. And finally, remember our faith is stronger when we invest in each other. When we invest in each other. Do not, let, do not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the day of his return is drawing near. I can remember as a kid, my, my mom would take us five kids, I'm the youngest of five, and she would take us five kids to church every time the doors were open. We would have what were called back then revival meetings. They would go every, church every night of the week for weeks on end, right? And I would go, Mom, do we have to go to church? And she would quote this verse to me. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together. That's the King James Version, right? Get together. Yeah, I wish I had known the verse. Yes, Mom. And Pharaoh said, or Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go. Right? Uh, sometimes, you know, it's not, you don't, you don't always have to be together, right? It's not the, the amount, necessarily the amount of time, but understand this, there is a power in presence. There is a power in being together that you just can't get anywhere, anywhere else. There is a power, you, this is something you can't just phone in, Okay? You gotta be present to win. And when you're studying, when you're drawing near to God in a personal way, in your personal devotions, now you have something to share and invest in someone else when you come together in that small group. You see, we, we do ask our small groups after the first two weeks. The first two weeks, you can try it out. If it doesn't fit, no problem. You can take a step back. But after the second week, we ask people to commit. Commit to investing in other people. And understand, it's not about the program. It's about people. Because my commitment isn't to, to show up. My commitment is to the other people in that room. That I have something to give, and they have something to give me. So you must be present to win. The word of God says, and, and, and it says this in Hebrews 3.13, you must warn each other every day while it is still today so that none of you will be deceived by sin and hardened against God. You see that it's about looking to the future. And, and this passage in verse 25 is, is about looking to the future and all the more as you see that day approaching. So the writer's looking to the end of the world and he's saying it matters what you're doing right now, right here. This matters. So let's encourage one another to be together, to invest in one another. This kind of investment requires your presence, 
And Jesus said it, for where two or three gather together is my followers. I am there among them. So I ask you, who are you investing in? And who have you allowed to invest in you? Who's speaking into your life? Yeah, life groups, we facilitate it. We just simply help put people together. But you know what? It's way beyond that. It's where am I investing? And who's investing in me? Because really, we really are truly stronger together. Maybe you've seen it. Uh, August 20th, and with this, I'm going to close. But on August 20th, uh, in Perth, Australia, this hit YouTube and Facebook. In Perth, Australia, uh, uh, in a subway, a man was getting onto the train and he misstepped and stepped between the train and the platform and, his, and he fell all the way up to his hip and he became lodged there. He was literally stuck. Stopped everything. Hundreds of people in the, in the, in the train station, they could not get him up, though try as they might. And for one moment, a crowd of individuals became focused on one thing, on one person's need. People who otherwise would have absolutely no connection together happened to be in a place. And they determined to put their energies into one thing, and that is rescue. And you can look it up on YouTube, as hundreds of people stepped back and began to push on the train cars. And do you know they were able to tilt that train together enough to pull that man out into safety, and he was unharmed? That's the power of our faith together. When we come together, we really are stronger. When we believe together, when we encourage, when we hope, when we motivate, we are, we are better. And today, I just want to provoke you a little bit. Consider, if you're not part of a life group, recognize that, that my faith is stronger in community.